0: All right, so that covers it for rapid recap. We're going to jump into the main topic today for the podcast, which is players that have grown on us and have kind of fallen off our radar for fantasy football. I uh, know for us that one of your guys that has kind of grown on you is Michael Pittman.
1: Yeah, man. Um, As I've looked more into Michael Pittman as a player and his situation, I realized he needed to be higher in my rankings. Uh, and one of those, one and of the reasons was reflected. For that, it was reflected in my latest rankings. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. But and one of those main reasons was Matt is Matt Ryan's uh, accuracy, especially comparing him to Carson Wentz. Um, so 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 not only is Michael Pittman like the coaches, beat reporters raving about his accuracy. Um, you know I'll give you some numbers, right? And Frank Wright, you know, is calling like the way he, he describes Matt Ryan. He called Matt Ryan's accuracy insane. That's less the word that he used. Yeah. Um, and if you look at the numbers provided by Sports Info Solution in terms of on-target throws. Right, so this is regardless of whether they were caught. Right, Matt Ryan was ninth in the NFL last year, uh, in that stat. Carson Wentz was 26th in the NFL in on-target throws. Right, they also provided a, a, something called a bad throw metric, right, where the quarterback was just like wildly inaccurate on a throw that could have been a play. Right, so Matt Ryan mm-hmm. was fifth best there in terms of not having as many bad throws, and Wentz was 26th, okay? So Wentz was consistently bad <laughs> last year in terms yeah. of accuracy. And If you look at what PFF provided, uh, Matt Ryan's adjusted completion percentage uh, on deep throws was actually second among all quarterbacks who threw at least 40 passes past 20 yards. Uh, and, and you consider what Pittman did last year, right? He had 88 catches for almost 1,100 yards with a terrible quarterback in his second year. So Matt Ryan is a considerable upgrade here. It's shown in camp. Uh, Pittman is going into his third year, and and I can see another considerable step forward this year. Um, You look at Matt Harmon's reception perception profile on Pittman, it's ridiculously good. His success rate versus man, versus press, versus zone, all near elite numbers. Okay, So it shows that he is a true number one wide receiver, so that's yet another reason to bet on Michael Pittman. Uh, he's already shown that number one wide receiver target share, right? Nearly 26% last year. So, And you like to see that as part of a wide receiver's history when you're projecting forward, right? And when you consider the fact that Matt Ryan hyper-targeted his number one wide receiver at a higher, higher target rate than Pittman had last year, each of the last six years, it gives you more confidence that he'll do the same with Pittman. So, and, you know, and some might think, oh, you know, Pittman isn't as good as Julio or Ridley, uh, but he could definitely be better than Ridley. Right and yeah, he's obviously not as good yeah. as Julio was, uh, but I moved him all the way uh, up to number eight uh, in my wide receiver rankings uh, last week. So I'm in on him having an amazing third year, and you can get him in the fourth round. That's where Calvin Ridley was going a few years, a couple years ago when he was a league winner. So that's what I'm banking on right. with Michael Pittman.
0: And you're right, I do see a lot of parallels. Like you're mentioning now, you know, Calvin Ridley, and Michael Pittman going in that same range. This is the same quarterback. Matt Ryan was dealing with a horrific offensive line last year. I mean, the Falcons offense just was not good. And, you know, some of it can be attributed to Matt Ryan. But at a certain point, you have to understand that the offense was just not good. There weren't any weapons. Julio Jones was gone, and Matt Ryan was just kind of there. who was a shell of himself. Matt Ryan had some good years left in him, I think. And on the Colts now, have a much better offensive line. And, you know, you talk about Carson Wentz and the bad throw percentage. I just keep having flashbacks to that one he throws it right to the defender. I mean, he was going down for a sack. He wasn't even the end zone. He just, he just had to take the sack, you know. He didn't even have to throw it, and he threw it anyway. I think Wentz only had, was it like two or three interceptions last year, which is really misleading, especially when you compare it to that stat that you're saying. So I don't think a lot of people understood just how rough it was having uh, Wentz at quarterback for Pittman. Pittman is very good. And I know you, another thing that we talk about, like the third year is kind of like notorious for those wide receivers taking the next step, breaking out. Like, all signs are pointing in the right direction the right direction for a Michael Pittman breakout. Matt Ryan's veteran savvy, I think, will help balance the Colts' offense. Not that Jonathan Taylor needs to have the ball taken out of his hands, but I think it's really just going to open up the offense and make Michael Pittman a legit threat. He's a deep threat. You know, he can run after the catch, all that kind of thing. You just talked about all his events, metrics pointing in the right direction. And I think wide receiver eight, you know, I think that's a fair ranking. I mean, it's not like something – it's not like putting – I don't even know Jalen Waddle in there, you know, Michael Pittman, he has that upside. I mean, he has the size, he has everything that you need, all the tools to be a true wide receiver. One. I think that your ranking isn't like too far out there, even though I think, I think you did catch a little flack for that. in those Instagram comments.
1: That's fine. Hey, listen, man, sometimes you got to go out on the limb, right? Like we're, we're putting a lot of time into this. So there's going to be things that we put right. out there that people are just like, wait, what? Like, And they don't see it, and I get it. I understand that people don't see it. Um, it, It's only a result of just like, you know, us kind of looking into this like a lot deeper and for a lot longer.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Another guy that we're kind of looking at that's been growing on us a little bit is Michael Thomas from the Saints. It's been a long time coming, but Michael Thomas is back to football action at Saints camp, and reports have all been really quite encouraging for the season. It's true. We're three years removed from his historic 2019 season where he set the single-season record for receptions in a season. And there's quality competition around him. They drafted Chris Olave in the first round. There's kind of a question mark at quarterback. I mean, Jameis Winston, you know, he he looked much better last year when he was on the field than he did in previous years where he went 30 for 30. But he has he went down with some sort of injury. I forget what it was. Was it an ankle? They called it a rolled ankle? Yeah, they called, so, it, they called
1: it a rolled ankle. So it doesn't seem too serious.
0: Right, so not too serious, but something to monitor because Michael Thomas, for me, is kind of contingent on him having James Winston at quarterback. I think James Winston's a fine quarterback. The thing that makes Michael Thomas so intriguing is that his price tag is so low. And he's still going behind guys like Darnell Mooney and Monroe St. Brown at his wide wide receiver 30 ADP. And that's kind of surprising to me, considering the reports out of camp have been all very good. And he's actually kind of been like the star since he's been back on the field and playing anything close to a return to his 2019 form i think we'll have fantasy managers jumping for joy if they get him in like the sixth round but um he's definitely i've warmed up to taking him i mean last year i got burnt i took him thinking he would be a playoff buff for me you know he'd come back week nine ten and then boost me to the playoffs i was sorely mistaken on that one but um, i'm warming up to him again you know i was a little cold on him but now I, i think i'm ready to take him again if i can
1: yeah, and we know what his ceiling is, right? Like, we haven't seen his ceiling since 2019, right? But the good news right. is that, like, it's not like, you know, he was a one-year wonder, right? Like, he's done it since his rookie year, and he's improved right. on his numbers every single year for four consecutive years. So, and like you said, we know the risk associated to him, right? Another injury popping up, you know? I think the reason why, you know, he was out for the entire offseason was that, you know, he dis- he delayed surgery, Right, uh, but he seems yeah. to be passing now. Like according to beat reporters, he is looking like himself and looking that elite looking like that elite talent. So uh, I'm actually kind of excited to for him to play with Jameis. Like he put up seventeen hundred yeah. receiving yards with Drew Brees and his limited arm, right? Now he's playing with a guy who can air it out. And I wouldn't be surprised if Thomas is asked to do more in terms of like his route tree, more intermediate routes, more deep routes. Uh, you know, he's called slant boy, but Maybe he's just really, really, really good at running slants, and maybe Drew Brees—that's yeah. one of his favorite throws and most effective throw because of the fact that he isn't going to throw it deep all all game long. So, like you said, going in the sixth round right now, look, he looks like he's good to go. I'm happy with that price given the upside that he presents. Um, I am not looking for safe players in the sixth round; like I'm looking for league winners, right. and he's one of the guys I'm going to be targeting there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And just a note, you know, Drew Brees. He might have had uh, limited arm, still very good. Uh, of course, just throwing that. Hall out of Fame, there. <laughs> Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. And I just want to say
1: one more thing about Jameis. Like, you know, he he might not be like he might throw a lot of interceptions, okay? Uh, but I don't see a scenario where like you know they pull him for Taysom Hill at quarterback, right? I know right. Like, Hill's probably yeah. going to have a role, uh, but it's Jameis's job this year? Um, and you know he is the, he is a guy who is going to air it out and. Even if he's thrown a couple of interceptions, he can still, you know, you know, make a lot of wide receivers very fantasy relevant. So uh, from a fantasy perspective, like I'm not so worried about Jameis. I'm actually kind of excited about, you know, the, the potential numbers that, you know, a lot of these wide receivers on the Saints can, can, um, can put up this year.
0: Right. And, and one more thing about Jameis, now that we're talking about that, you know, you talk about, oh, is so he going to throw the interceptions? He was, I think his inter- touchdown interception ratio was 14 to 2. Yeah. last season before he went down with an injury I think he cleaned that up largely I mean he's on a I think he's on a better team he had a better offensive line I think with the Saints obviously than with the Bucks. Bucks got better obviously on the offensive line but for Jameis I think that was a good change of change of scenery for him and I am also excited to see how he plays one more guy that we've kind of warmed up to recently is Damian Pierce so Do you want the first word on this or do you want me to kind of jump in on it? Yeah.
1: And it's because, like, and people who've who've been, like, watching my content, right, over the past few months, this offseason, like, you guys know how much I like Damian Pierce as a prospect, right? Like, my only concern was where he'll fall in the pecking order uh, of this depth chart, right? And whether it'll be a full blown committee, you know, between him, Marlon Mack, and Rex Burkhead, right? And you consider, like, what sort of league winning appeal can he have, right, on a bad offense? right so but like i i feel like at further glance like why am i worried about rex burkhead right like the dude always gets hurt and yes he got paid but he's 32 years old like and he always gets hurt so like what am i worried about here (laughs) okay like he can be the favorite you know week one to handle passing downs right but pierce is extremely capable in that department and he's a good pass blocker so i feel like the presence of Rex Burkhead shouldn't really be a huge factor in whether I project Damian Pierce to potentially handle a bunch of pass catching duties. Okay, um, and, and part of the reason why I was excited about Pierce coming into the league is because he did have that. He does have that three down skill set. Um, you know, all he has to do right. is beat out Marlon Mack, right? And, and while it's not guaranteed, reports out of training camp are that he's looking like the best running back in that backfield. I'm not surprised. Um, and, and just mm-hmm. as a reminder. If you haven't seen our rookie draft kit, okay, he was second among all 182 FBS running backs who had 100 or more carries last year in missed tackles force per attempt. And that's one of the big metrics that we look at when translating the game for a running back into the NFL. Um, and he was only behind Bijan Robinson, right, who likely will be the dynasty rookie 101 next year, right? Um, right. So, you know, Pierce was he was efficient after contact. He was efficient in the pass game uh, in terms of yards per route run. Uh, he's someone who can do it all, and I think if you're looking for a back who can contribute early in the season, he would be the one that i take a shot on when you reach that tier between him, Isaiah Spiller, and Rashad White, right? Because like they're kind of going all back-to-back. You kind of have to make that choice between one of them, right? Um, if I had to bet on right. who has the most upside out of those three, it would probably be Rashad White. Uh, but it would it would likely take a Leonard Fournette injury for that to come to fruition, right? Um, but it's very possible that you're getting a guy uh, in Damian Pierce who can be involved in both the run and the pass game, uh, which is key when you're talking about an offense who might not be like great in 2022. They might be okay, they might be decent, they might be a little bit underrated. But you know, as right. long as he's on the field running routes, like even while they're losing, that's what you want for fantasy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And like I said. You know, Pierce is the guy that you pegged early on out of the RP class. I remember specifically writing, you said, that he could work his way up to a three-down roll, possibly the fastest. Lo and behold, here we are, listening to reports that Pierce could be in line for Texans' lead role in the backfield. So a little pat on the back for you there. Good call. For me, the Texans' offense is really intriguing for one reason. That's Davis Mills. And the reports have all been positive out about the second-year quarterback out of camp. If he can be the oil, of the offensive engine in Houston, you know, there's no reason to think we can't have one or two quality fantasy contributors from the Texans this year, including Damian Pierce. I think this Texans offense is going to be much better than most people are anticipating, and that's not to say that we're looking at a unit that's going to finish, you know, in the top half of the league, but top 24 offense, I think, is in within is within reach, and that should be plenty for a guy like Pierce to return on his ADP. They just have to score a few more touchdowns than they did last year, I think, for Damien Pierce to really you know, make waves. And I think they're absolutely capable of doing that. Brandon cooks is there. And Nico Collins have a good, a good camp. Like the Texans offense. I I've, I've said this multiple times, it's not going to be as bad as some people think. And Damien Pierce, especially if he takes like, you know, takes the reins a little bit and he could be, you know, the engine, of the offense too. Like he, he could take this offense from where it was last year and make it something. I I love Damien Pierce. I actually just drafted him. Like I drafted up a lot of his shares. <laughs> a right. few mocks and in my own draft so I, i'm in on Damian pierce
1: awesome awesome all right let's talk about a few guys who we were higher on early on in the off season but we're kind of cooling off on just a little bit you know as we kind of get closer to the season um the first guy right. that i want to hit on is Aaron Jones. And you guys might be surprised with this one, right? And, you know, I looked into this some more. And a lot of people might be thinking, like, dude, like, you're changing your opinions. Like, this doesn't help. But listen, as the offseason goes on, we're looking into things more, right? Like, we got to be able to change our opinions on guys with more information that we consume, right? I think this is something that everybody should try to do, right? You know, you you can't, like, with more data, right? Like, you kind of want to be able to uh shift your opinions if you have to okay the main right. thing i was thinking was this around aaron jones he never had an 80 catch season okay in his career am i really going to project him f- you know for him to have one this year right and i know Devonte adams is gone right his usage in the past game is going to go up but is it going to go up by 60 percent right his career highs and receptions have been right around 50 and that's great um and he's done that three years in a row Um, But when you look at where he's being drafted right now, mid-second round, okay? Give me Saquon over him, right? I think I'd rather have Leonard Fournette over him too. You know, these guys are going to be involved in the pass game as well, especially Saquon, obviously. Both will have the goal line roles locked in, uh, and that matters more for for Fournette, you know, since he doesn't have that 100-cat ceiling but is on a great offense with plenty of touchdown opportunity. Um, And then you have to consider A.J. Dillon, right? And, you know, I think I was – Being a little low on AJ Dillon early on the season, he's a good back, and it's possible we see him take most of the goal line carries there. He did catch 34 balls last year. You know, he had a similar amount of carries as Aaron Jones did, and he might even get more work this year, right? If the Packers are going to be more run heavy, you know, given the fact that they have a good defense and they lost Devontae Adams and they were already relatively run heavy before they lost Devontae Adams, right? This can easily happen. Um, And the work between these two picks, you know, might be more split than we think, and maybe the ADP isn't really reflecting that right now. Um, so, last year, right, Aaron Jones had 19 total touches inside the 10 yard line. Dylan had 26. Dylan also had more carries mm-hmm. inside the five yard line as well. So, you know, he's getting rave reviews out of camp, okay? Particularly, you know, coaches and players, including Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers talking up his drastic improvements overall, and Rodgers specifically called out his pass catching ability, <laughs> right? So, like, Right, I, I think I'm going to fade Aaron Jones at his price, you know, after initially comparing him to DeAndre Swift in terms of like, who do I want? And I think looking mm-hmm. back, I think that was a bad comparison. I think Swift has a way higher ceiling and floor than Jones does this year. And I, I have them in completely different tiers right now. Um, And, and I think I might be moving. I'm not, I'm not, I don't remember exactly where I have Aaron Jones in my rankings, but I know that I think I have him under Saquon and under Fournette right now, if I'm not mistaken. Um, just where he's going, the, the opportunity cost is too high. Uh, so I think I'd rather right. wait and potentially just grab AJ Dillon a little bit later.
0: So what do you think is an appropriate, you know, spot to take him? So, I, think, I mean, I know you don't like the mid-second run. I
1: think if he falls to the third, um, I'm happy with that. You know, I just think that mid-second is a little bit too high for me. But – if he drops to the third round, even early third, I think I'm happy with it. As long as Saquon's off the board, Fournette's off the board, um, a couple of the receivers are off the board. But for the most part, I like him there. Third round, I'm happy with. I think his upside, his ceiling, like on a per-game basis, ceiling can be pretty high. Right. Uh, also, another thing, if you look into the games where Aaron Jones was without Devontae Adams, he averaged a ton of fantasy points, close to 25 fantasy points per game average a bunch of targets per game. Now, however, if you look at it from a game-by-game basis, it actually wasn't as amazing as it looks on paper uh, because there were games where Aaron Jones was playing, he only saw a couple targets, right? Um, And Al Lazard, one of those games, went off. Um, So it was a little bit up and down, but the average looked really good. Um, So just keep that in mind uh, in terms of, like, whether Aaron Jones is going to give that type of production to you every single game. And then now... He has to compete a little bit with a j Dillon. okay, so like uh when I you know I didn't look into those game logs you know uh, on an individual basis, but once I did, I was like, mm, this isn't as amazing as the averages made it look, so just wanted to throw that All out right.
0: there um to kind of play devil's advocate on that stat because I actually had that down i I like Aaron Jones a little bit more I mean not not that um I like him a ton but i I don't think it's fair to kind of shove him down in a third round. This isn't an Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard situation. Aaron Jones should be just as dynamic as last year. He hasn't really lost a step, I don't think. And going off what you said about the splits with and without Devonta Adams, I think it was over eight games, and he actually averaged more than eight PPR points per game more without Adams on the field. So let's be conservative and assume that that holds up. Let's say he averages four or five more points per game instead of eight, like he had. That still puts him. I mean, he averaged 15 points a game last season with AJ Dillon on the field. That still puts him at 20 points per game. And I'm not saying that's how it's going to work, but you know, like, I think the upside is still there. I don't think they're just going to drop Aaron Jones. Be like, oh, here's AJ Dillon. It's not like you know they don't want to have Aaron Jones on the field anymore. I, I think personally, I he might have moved down a little bit just because of his hype surrounding AJ Dillon. But I don't think it's as drastic as you're making it out to be. And I don't have a problem with you saying that, but I think. I'm still okay with taking AJ AJ Dillon in the second round, and that's because Aaron Jones, you mean? And you compare him to Saquon. You you can you compare him to Saquon and Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette, we'll see how he does. I mean, I think he'll be okay. Saquon's the one I'm thinking that Aaron Jones could easily beat out, just because the Giants' offense is pretty pretty bad. You know what I'm saying? Even like Daniel Jones is not running a clinic up there. So <laughs> I think I'd take a, aaron jones over saquon and then it's kind of a toss-up between uh jones and Fournette. it just kind of depends on how i'm feeling on the day right now i'm feeling more aaron jones than leonard Fournette.
1: yeah i hear you man um the the thing with aaron jones is that you know he's always been efficient right his entire career uh and he can definitely continue that yeah. and, and that's that's part of the reason why he's so intriguing you know in that in the middle of the second round that's why he's going there right because of that um but, yeah, and I think that he is going to be a very big beneficiary, you know, because of the fact that Devontae Adams is gone. Uh, so he, he's definitely going to have his games for sure. Um, I just wish that the price right. tag was just a little bit cheaper. Yeah,
0: there's nothing wrong with that. I'm in agreement. All right, so another player that we're, you know, not really feeling as much as we maybe did at the beginning of the offseason is Debo Samuel.
1: Yeah, man. Um, early on in the offseason, I had Debo ranked – as the overall wide receiver six. Um, I have him ranked at wide receiver 10 in my latest rankings. Um, And to be honest, he's simply somebody that I'm not really touching right now at his price. Um, I think there are way too many variables for Debo to overcome this year to reach the ceiling that he saw last year. Number one, you know, he has a new quarterback uh, who ha- he has shown zero rapport with so far, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that he hasn't been on the field during camp in the beginning, right? Uh, maybe that comes. Maybe he doesn't. Who knows? Another is that this team now has a stable of running backs who I think will likely be complementing Elijah Mitchell. Like we mentioned earlier that Mitchell's the guy. But I think Debo will get his occasional carries out of the backfield because he's a playmaker. But I do not see the 6.66 rushing attempts he saw in the second half of last year. Um, I, can, I can see Trey Sermon actually being, you know, getting a few carries a game opposed to zero last year, right? Uh, maybe TD <laughs> comes in, right. you know, for some stuff. But I think that they have a nice stable of backs where they don't have to depend on Debo in the run game to avoid giving Elijah Mitchell this ridiculous workload um, that, that they didn't want to give him last year just to kind of keep him fresh, right? Um, and is he really going to score seven rushing touchdowns this year, right? Like, he's due for a regression there. Uh, he only had six receiving yeah. touchdowns on the year uh, last year, so it's possible that he doesn't near that double-digit touchdown marker that we would assume he hits just because of you know how he did last year, right? And he was like, Uber efficient on his receptions last year 18 yards per right. reception last year which is absolutely ridiculous especially on a on you know with high volume so i think he's due for a regression there as well so when you look at the second half of last season Brandon Ayuk had a higher target share than him so we all know that Ayuk is yeah. killing it in camp right now. He has a serious rapport with Trey Lance. It's very possible when it's all said and done this year that Ayuk outproduces Debo in the receiving game. I don't think that's out of the question. Um, so if that if we're if I'm questioning that, I think Debo obviously is an immense talent, right? I think, but the opportunity cost mm-hmm. again. I always go back to this: it's too high to take him at that cost. You know, where there are other more sure things for me in the middle of the second round, right? Um, that's where he's going on, on, on most platforms. Yeah. So I I think I'm staying away from him.
0: Yeah. I'm in agreement. I've had Devo Samuel lower than the current consensus rank as a wide receiver six. He's actually the wide receiver six consensus rankings on Fantasy pros right now. I've had him lower than that for the entire off season. So this isn't so much as me saying that I've soured on him as like, I've been sour on him. (laughs) I don't think the route that he took to finish as a wide receiver three last year is really repeatable at all. Yes. Debo has the incentives in his new contract that require some rushing production. But um, he's clearly disgruntled with the way he's been used regardless of the contract that he signed. And I wouldn't expect, like you said, seven or eight touchdowns again. I think there's regression there. So take away, let's, let's say, three touchdowns from that production, four touchdowns even, depending on how he's used. That's a big dip in rushing production. Then we talk about Brandon Ayuk having a big camp. You know, Brandon Ayuk has this rapport with Trey Lance. And it's not so much that Debo can't have rapport with Trey Lance. It's just that he hasn't been on the field, like you said. So now Trey Lance is getting comfortable throwing to Brandon Ayuk. We could see his receiving numbers fall at the same time as his rushing numbers fall. Like, that's two things that, you know, and you, you mentioned his efficiency, 18 yards per, per reception. like all those things kind of point towards trending in a negative direction this year. Lance isn't Jimmy G. I mean, his price at the second round, I think is just crazy. It's been there. It's been really high up and I, I haven't understood. I've been avoiding him in all the formats. I think he is a talent. You know, he's a really good talent. But I mean, we saw what he does with the ball in his yeah. hands, but there's so much there's so much changing around him and there's so much that went on this off season where we're not sure what his workload's gonna be. He said he didn't want to be that wide back that they were deploying him as last year. And that was what made him really fantasy relevant. Not not fantasy relevant, but really made him a star. Right. So I'm gonna sit back and see how things go before, you know, I take him in a draft. I'll let someone else deal with it. If it goes if it goes badly, you know, I'll be happy that I avoid him. And if it's the same as last year, you know what? I'll be happy taking a guy with a little bit more upside. I mean, I don't know if you could get C D Lamb that late. But there are plenty of other guys there that I'm happy taking. Like you talk about uh, Michael Pittman. You know, he's actually going in the fourth round. I obviously wouldn't reach in the second round, but right. there's plenty of other talent going around him.
1: Yeah, and I have Pittman ranked over him. So right. um and, and I get it, you know, it's really hard, I think, to imagine somebody, you know, being a league winning player for you the year before, right? And then going into the next year, like, wait, what? You're avoiding him? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like and, and I get it. it. it's it's weird. But you know, you kind of have to look at the path on how they got there. And I think Debo's gonna be good. He's gonna have some big games, because mm-hmm. that's the type of player he is. But do you really want to depend on on the type of volume and the type of opportunity that he's getting, because that is really what determines, you know, the fantasy points at the end of the day. That's what is the sticky stat, not yeah. necessarily the production that he had the year before. All right. Um, all right. The last guy here, you guys are gonna be surprised with this one too, because you guys know that I'm a Deontay Johnson stan. Okay. Everyone knows how much I love Deontay Johnson. But this one is a little simple for me, actually. Um, he's more than likely going to command a high target share. I, I I have a really strong feeling about that. But there are a few guys going around him who just, I think, have more upside than mm-hmm. him this year. And I think Deontay, he has a safe floor on a weekly basis, uh, but this offense might not be good. And I think I'd rather chase more upside with guys around him. And judging by the drafts that I've been doing over the past few weeks, I, that's kind of how I've been acting, Okay. And the reason why I flipped on this a little bit because the more drafts I do, the more I, f- I find myself not taking Deontay and going with guys like Michael Pittman, right. DJ Moore, DK Metcalf, even with no quarterback, more <laughs> upside. Travis Etienne, Brees Hall, these are all guys going around that you know around uh, Deontay Johnson, you know, on platforms like Sleeper and ESPN, um, you know, and Yahoo. So yeah, man, like, I'm not I'm not taking him in a lot of drafts if these guys are available. Now, if these guys are off the board, sure. You know, if he falls a little bit, I like taking advantage. Boom. I'll grab him, like, you know, late fourth round, something like that. But as of right now, I think I'm off of him.
0: That's unfortunately. crazy. Can you believe Even it? As much as it hurts to say, Faraz say is it. is off I, of I Deontay Johnson. <laughs>
1: <laughs> After hyping him up all offseason. I know, I know, I know. And his price, man, like, just – and and you know me right. I'm a guy who who I'm am a guy who aims for upside, right? right? Like I don't think you've heard me once say this entire offseason, like yeah, you know I really like him because he has a safe floor, right? Right? Like I've never said that. Even though I like you did guys just say who that. Have the- <laughs> <laughs> no, I did say it, but right, it's, right, it's right, about right. a guy who I'm kind of avoiding, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, with, with Deontay last year, he had that he had such a high target share and he had a, such a high target count that like you know his floor was like every single week super consistent. Um but you were able to grab him later in drafts last year, right? I think if I'm not mistaken, Deontay was like a fifth, sixth round pick. Yeah, I think last it was sixth year. round. Yeah. Um so the opportunity cost is way higher going into this year.
0: Yep. And you know I've been fading Deontay Johnson all offseason. And I've been, you know, you've been singing <laughs> the praises and I, I've just been crapping all over him. But um I'll continue to do so, largely in part because of the turnover and uncertainty at QB. But also because, you know, we heard about George Pickens impressing at camp. So, this could be yet another wide receiver to add to the mix. Chase Claypool, I mean, you know, he's not a top three receiver, like he says. But he's also not a chump. Uh, They drafted Calvin Austin. They have Pat Fryermuth, And they also have Najee Harris coming out of the backfield, who's going to get, I think, at least 60 targets. I think that's being generous. Like, saying, like, that's undercutting it a little bit. So... Yeah, I'll say so. The wide receiver room in Pittsburgh is, in a word, crowded. Uh... The Steelers, like I said, invested solid draft capital to go get those receivers. So I don't see how they wouldn't use them. I don't see this offense either being like, you know, top of the league. So Deontay Johnson, I think he'll have a few games where he's like, oh, okay, maybe maybe he's returning on investment. But you talk about DJ Moore, you talk about DK Metcalf, you talk about all these other guys going around him, Travis Etienne, Brees Hall. And I think even like Cam Akers, even though we know we talked about a report where Daryl Henderson might be getting more work, that's just a whole other thing. But there's so much talent going around him that I'm fading him, which is no surprise. And I'd fade him even for other guys that are even going later than that. Like, I actually, and this might be a bold take, I actually like Elijah Moore more than Deontay Johnson right now.
1: (laughs) I think that Elijah Moore has higher upside than Deontay Johnson.
0: That's a fair that's fair analysis, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. But Michael Thomas. Right? Yeah. Both of those Michael guys Thomas. going in the sixth round. Uh, right. you know, Elijah Moore might fall to the seventh, you know, depending on who you're drafting with. Um mm. a lot of guys just don't want Jets players. I get it. But you know, Elijah Moore has more potential down the field. Uh, you know, so it, it's yeah, I, I see it. I see it. So makes me sad. But, you know, it is what it is. Deontay Johnson, I'll probably see you next year.
0: It'll still be in Pittsburgh. So maybe Kenny Pickett will be playing then.
1: Yeah, maybe. Maybe we'll see. We'll see. All right. That'll do it, guys. A little bit of a longer episode this week, but I feel like we covered a lot. In this episode so i hope this sense. helped i uh, hope you guys made it through if you're still here i appreciate you guys thank you so much for supporting the podcast uh if you can rate and review the podcast that would mean the world to us if you can share it with somebody i know you don't want to share it with your league mates but if you share it with somebody else who's not in your league that would mean the world to us uh and we greatly appreciate that thank you so much guys uh for zach for for, for me for Raz, uh we're out of here we'll talk to you guys soon see ya
0: don't forget to subscribe.